Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen. How's it going? Oh man, I am so excited. The Magic have finally had the tank pay off. You know, you heard me on Draft Night 2020. We were on a, a virtual call and I, you were like, all right, whatever you do, Richard, don't spoil the pick. And what do I do? <laughs> I go, oh my God, they got Cole Anthony. And uh, I spoiled the pick. <laughs> And I was so excited, and honestly, this this exceeded the excitement for me. Uh, the number one pick is a real opportunity for Orlando to, to be a game changer out of East. Yeah, so we uh, we're, we're bringing back the Mavs Draft podcast after quite the layoff, um, and we're doing a a reaction to the draft lottery. Um, if you don't know, somehow. You know, Richard's from Orlando, so he's he's got uh, loyalties both here and uh, in Orlando. Um, but yeah, like you said, having the number one pick, uh, you know, lots of opportunities, um, you know, tons of different directions they can go, uh, particularly in a draft that isn't, uh, you know, doesn't have a consensus top guy. You know, last year was Cade. Um, you know, this year there seems to be a top three or four for you know depending on who you talk to so um you know as the resident magic fan what what are you hoping to see yeah i I think at this point i've bought into the idea of chet i really did want jabari smith but look when you're when you're picking number one you want to be able to have the best chance at, at changing your franchise right like that's the whole goal you have the chance at anybody in the draft and you can take anybody that has a chance of changing your franchise. However, a lot of the picks actually don't come at number one. And doing so, especially for their own teams, LeBron's pretty much like the only number one pick to win a title with his team that drafted him this century, if I'm not mistaken. So the odds of it happening are slim, but you want him to get, at least get you into that position. And for me, it's Chet Holmgren. I know you're big on Chet. I've grown it into him. I actually, I actually have him the lowest of the consensus four. But it's because all of them are just so almost interchangeable to me. And I actually think it's a lot of fit dependent. And Orlando's fit with Chet, it goes both ways. It's a it's a masterful fit for both both sides. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Chet is number one on my board right now. Um, I'm not as far into the process as you are. Obviously, Richard's like, what? 13,000 players in at this point. Uh, my big board is uh, ten, nine. And one of them is Gabrielle Prochita. So, it, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's still... No context. Still, no context. You have no context. number 10. Yeah. Top 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but but I do have, um, you know, as far as the big three, I have them as as Holmgren, Paolo, Jabari. And I know that might be unpopular to have Jabari number three. We can get into that more later. But, you know, as far as Chet goes, um, just the, the defensive upside is tremendous. And, you know, he's already going to walk in and be a absolute monster from day one um, with, you know, defensive player of the year upside. Um, and then offensively, there, there's a lot of things he can do. He's a great finisher. He could spread the floor. Uh, he's very skilled. You know, ultimately it's going to come down to how comfortable are you with taking a guy who's seven feet and under 200 pounds. And, 
you know, there's some challenges. Um, we saw him early struggle with the, um, you know, the size and strength of the collegiate game, uh, but he adjusted. Um, there will definitely be struggles as he makes the transition to the NBA. But again, I think he can make adjustments. And as far as I know, there's really no injury history that I know of yet. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not just going to say we have to worry about it because the dude's thin. Um, you know, if you don't get hurt, you don't get hurt regardless of your size. Um, how would you feel if they went in the um, in the Jabari direction? Because I know that uh, a lot of people have been, um, you know, talking about that possibility. I'd be open to it. It's not – here's my dilemma. He's not a franchise changer in theory. But say that – say he does turn out to be like the Clay Thompson, the bigger Clay Thompson, less shooting, equal defense, right? Like his less shooting – I mean, he's not going to be the number one or number two shooter of our generation most likely. So say he goes to being an elite shooter, elite defender at 6'10". That's probably an all-star. You look at Maxi Kleba is 6'10". He's a decent shooter, above average defender. And he's proving he's one of the more valuable bigs in this NBA playoffs. So you look at the skills that are amplified there with room to grow in other areas. I mean, I think he can at least dribble more than like Maxi Kleba and he can create more than Maxi Kleba. You're looking at a guy, I'm comparing him to a guy who's just solely three and D. But you look at how good a player in that mold with that size could be with other skills added to him. And to me, that could be a number one player. Clay Thompson... If you're looking at him in, in his redraft in 2011, I don't think he goes worse than, what, four? There's Jimmy Butler, Kawhi, and Kyrie. It's probably it, unless I'm really forgetting somebody. But that's pretty much the list. Like, you're guaranteed a top five return if you have, if he ends up living up to that Clay Thompson mold of a build, a bigger Clay Thompson. So I would be okay with it. And it's a team that, you know, they need three-point shooting desperately. Is it the franchise changer you get at number one? Probably not. That's the only thing. It comes with the stigma. Yeah, I definitely see where where you're going with that. Um, you know, I got some concerns about Jabari that that you know you and I have talked about before um, off air, obviously because this is the first show of the year for us. Um, but you know, one of those concerns was his ability to finish around the rim on a consistent basis. Um, you know, his ability to create for others. But like you said, he does so a lot of things really well that the NBA covets right now, which is he can defend multiple positions. He's extremely switchable. He shoots the lights out. Um, you know, there are moments where, you know, people are like, oh, Kevin Durant. I mean, no, obviously. But, um, you know, there's definitely those moments where where you see this, this 6'10", you know, I'm just going to rise up and shoot over you. I don't care if you're there. Um, that that's pretty special. And I think when you when you look at the pieces already in Orlando, um, you know, you you have some creation there, um, which you know, for, for him, he he can't be the the primary creator. But as a guy who's your third scorer. Um, who's capable of any night going for 30 plus. Um, and then obviously, you know what he can give you on the defensive end of the floor. You know, it's just interesting because he and Chet are both super high level defenders, but in totally different ways. Right. 
Yeah, and they're they're different. Like Jabari, I think, is a better defender because he's in terms of just one to one, but when you look at the value that they bring, Chet's probably the better defender because when you can be an elite rim protector, it's better than being a very good perimeter defender and an okay shot blocker near the rim. So I think Chet is the better defender. I've also just never seen in my time of doing full-on scouting reports, I don't think I've seen instincts at the rim like Chet Holmgren's. I mean, yeah, he had some foul trouble at Gonzaga, but for the most part, his ability to time shots on blocks is absurd. He, you know, I remember seeing it with Bo Bamba, actually. He was a guy who, even when he got pushed off his spot, unless he got, like, smothered off his shot, he still recovered and was able to make blocks. I know there was a play for Bamba where, I want to say it's Azabuki, actually, because, because at the time overlap for him and Azabuki, even though it sounds kind of off. But they they were going at it. Bombo was guarding Azabuki. He hit him with a tough post hook and kind of elbowed him along the way. Bombo takes the bump. He falls back. comes back and blocks the shot. And that's the kind of stuff you're going to see with Chet Holmgren. We haven't seen that with Mo Bamba. He's seen him maybe one time in his pro career in his first four years. If you're looking at somebody, and I'm just going to name drop him now, I mean, if you're looking at a better Mo Bamba, you got yourself a damn good player in this draft. Yeah, you sure do. That that would definitely be, you know, quite the upgrade. And and Mo's a solid player himself. Um, it, is there any consideration of Paolo on your end? Yeah, simply because, you know, when you look at who has the best chance to be a number one in this draft, a number one offensive option, it's Paolo Boncaro. You look at 6'10", 6'11", whatever he is, the size and scoring ability is unmatched in this draft. He can create his own shot. I, I think he's got to work on some of the fundamentals on defense and passing, but he has the skills already for a great scorer. And to me, you know, the Magic are lacking a first option. They have been. I think uh, I think Paolo's very much in the mix. I'd actually say he's probably the second in the pecking order of those three. So you would go Chet, Paolo, Jabari? Yeah, well, I, I personally, I think I'd still take... Uh, Jabari. Oh, Jabari. I'm sorry. But for the Magic, they would have Palo, I think, number two. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay, so we spent a good amount of time on the Magic, uh, deservedly so. Um, and then, so we had uh, Oklahoma City jumping a couple spots to number two. Uh, Houston dropping two spots to number three. And then the Kings jumping up into that fourth spot. Uh, knocking the Pistons and Pacers out of the top four, right? They were both projected in the top four. No. Yeah. Uh, Pacers were going to be five. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, you know, something I think is kind of interesting is where does Jaden Ivey fit in all of this, right? Because if you're – you know, I think some people were wondering, okay, if there's a guard needy team that jumps into the top four, could could Ivy be the guy that goes ahead of one of these three forward big, you know, players? Um, but I'm looking at it, and I, I don't think oh, Oklahoma City with with who they've got at guard between you know Giddy and Shea and uh, and Lou Dort and all that. I, I don't think they would take Ivy. I don't think the Rockets would take Ivy with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, like kind of similar archetypes already. 
And I, I, I think the Kings would take him because he, he's, there's a drop in talent after that. But is he even a good fit for the Kings? No, I, I don't think so. Like the, the rationale is, you know, the Kings have hit on four of their last five drafts. All four of their hits have been guards. De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Davion Mitchell, and I drew an absolute blank on who I missed in this bunch. But I know there's some maybe three of the last four, something like that. My, my math is clearly off. Um, I don't remember who they took in 2019. But I, I know it's somebody right now, Fox from 2017. But so maybe if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep taking guards. But at the same time, uh, you know, I think they're in a weird situation. I My prediction is I think they're going to be the team that shakes it up in a different way. Chet's going to be gone by then. I just can't see him getting past all three of Orlando, Houston, and Oklahoma City. Those are like his top three fits in every way. So like there's no way. What would be crazy is, is if the team falls in love with this player and he fits the need is Jalen Durant. I can see him going to Sacramento. Their front court is atrocious if you remove Demonis Sabonis from there. I could see it. That, that's my bold take with what Sacramento does. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking back at 2019. I don't, I don't think they had a draft pick in the first round. I think they traded it. That sounds right. So three of their last four drafts. Um, but yeah, so I, I just think Sac- Sacramento is going to be a really interesting spot there at number four. Um, Durham would be interesting. I wonder if Shaden Sharp could figure in if, if they think he's more of a, you know, they want more of a wing instead of that combo guard type player. And um, Sharp might have the highest ceiling in the draft. He's just such an unknown. Um, would the Kings be willing to take that swing? Who knows? Um, I don't want to skip over the the two picks in between with Oklahoma City and Houston. So um, it, let's start with Oklahoma City. If, uh, if you could have it your way, um, you know, let's – Let's say that they had. Let's say they had their choice of, of who was there at number two. Uh, who do you think they would be hoping for? Yeah, I think they they want Chet as their number one, but I think ultimately they're going to be choosing between Jabari, Palo, and insert the third guy. I mean, I think Sharp is probably actually more likely than Ivy for them at that point, and. I don't see him shaking it up quite like that, even though Sam Presti is like that kind of dude that could do it. But I think they would go with, man, I really think they would go with Jabari Smith. I I stand by just thinking that's a team that they're trying to build a defensive identity. A lot of people don't know, but they were one of the best defensive ratings in the NBA this year uh, throughout most, or for relative to their standings. They were top 12 at the worst, like throughout most of the year. And Jabari Smith's a really good defender. They add three-point shooting, give SGA an option, Giddy an option for off-ball usage, and I really like the fit there. All right, what about uh, what about Houston? Yeah, Houston's a tough one. I actually, I don't, I, I disagree with what you said earlier. I think Ivy actually might work because I don't think, while it might end up being the same situation that Houston has now, there is a chance it could work. And that's getting another point guard in Ivy. And, and, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. is a combo guard. Like, he's not a point guard. He's not a shooting guard. He tried to be a point guard, and all it did was he was, like, passive-aggressive almost. In passing, he was like, fine, I won't shoot. And Jaden Ivy, I think, can do play point guard a lot better, which makes me think that they might shake things up 
I think ultimately if they had this choice, though, they go Jabari Smith. I mean, you have a perfect complementary piece to multiple cornerstones in that franchise with Shingun, Porter, and Jalen Green. Yeah, Ivy's one of the guys that uh, I haven't watched in depth yet. Like, I haven't graded him. I've obviously seen him quite a bit this year. Um, how how do you feel about him translating as a as a lead guard? Is that something you think is is something you would bet on? Uh, because I think that's the only way I see a fit in Houston. Otherwise, you're just adding another guy who fills the same roles as Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. And then I think you're kind of in that Sacramento position where it's, oh, uh, we got all these guards and, you know, then they trade the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, I think here's my thing with Ivy. Like, yes, he's not a point guard. Yes, he's not really a shooting guard, but I think he can play that to his strengths. He's really composed in pick and roll sets. And I think in an offense, it's going to be NBA spaced where it's, he'll be the one of maybe two people at the most in the, within the three point line. I think that's going to do wonders for him. And that'll navigate, that'll kind of open up that driving kick game for him that he loves running. He tried to run a lot with Stefanovic over in Purdue. He's going to be able to do more of that more frequently with better players. And I think that's really what opens his game up is just how difficult he is to guard in the pick and roll. And then you open up his driving kick game and you have a double whammy of untapped potential as a playmaker. All right. Um, Okay, so moving down the lottery, Indiana at number six. Oh, I'm sorry. I totally skipped the Pistons. Pistons at number five. All right, so let's let's assume that those big four are the first four off the board. Um, where are we thinking for for Detroit? Man, it's crazy. I'm saying him again. I, I really don't know if Jalen Duran makes it past five at this rate. Like, the teams that need him – Almost every team needs him except Orlando. I think they're the one team that they're pretty out on him. I don't think Oklahoma City will take him at two. I don't think Houston takes him at three, but four really is a wild card. Um, you look at just the the rim protection and Sacra- uh, excuse me, Detroit needs a rim protector badly. They need a big man that can catch lobs that is not named Marvin Bagley. No rhyme intended on that. I'm not a poet, but... I, I really like the Duran fit. You have a high upside play. You know, he was he reclassified into this year. He's mostly limited to the paint, but he's super mobile on defense. Needs to continue learning defensive schemes. I think he struggled learning how to play Memphis's horrendous pick and roll defense, but ultimately still struggled at times in decision making defensively in the pick and roll. And in the NBA, that's the most commonly run play. You gotta defend it. So if he can master that, I think you're looking at a really high upside defensive play. At the worst, you got a defensive specialist starting center. Yeah, and I think playing with with a a creator like Cade would would help him out quite a bit, especially you know as he as he run you know rim runs and and rolls hard to the basket and things like that, you know, which kind of gives him a, a pretty good baseline, you know, as an offensive player to at least just be this high level finisher around the rim. Right. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't like. Let's compare the point guards. Amani Bates was sometimes running point guard, and then what was the name? Harris was also running point guard, and he's maybe it was just a bad. That was a bad situation. Yeah, and it's not anything that his players. I mean, the situation sucked. No, yeah, it was it was bad bad fits for for a lot of guys. Um, 
Okay, now we got the Pacers. I, I was I was excited to talk about them. You know, Rick Carlisle over there. Um, you know, I was uh, uh, honored to to be on a Pacers podcast last year to talk about a couple draft guys. Uh, shout out uh, Alex Golden, his his podcast. Uh, I was asking him earlier who uh, who he would have wanted um, if if they had won the lottery. Uh, didn't work out for them, unfortunately, but still some solid options available. Um, you know, what do you think would be a good fit for, for the Pacers? Yeah, they're an interesting one because I, I expected them not to get jumped and then them have like a chance at Shaden Sharp and they actually still kind of do in, in this weird scenario. Shaden Sharp is definitely in play, uh, kind of again, Shaylen Duran if they want to add another center, but Keegan Murray, I'll throw him in the mix. Keegan Murray would be really interesting. I think he actually fits pretty well with Carlisle, dare I say the, the infamous words, but you know, he could be a good Carlisle guy and uh, he could develop as not really developed just come in right away, score 15 points per game. You look at what Franz Wagner did. It wouldn't shock me to see him have a similar season. Hey, Keegan Murray's an interesting guy because I, he, he might have one of the highest floors of, of anyone that that's going to get drafted this year. Um, you know, not sure where his ceiling tops out at, but um, his, the way he can score just translates so well. Um, and again, he's not a guy I've studied in depth yet, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, because, you know, I've watched just a, a bit of him here and there and I'm like, man, how, how can't this guy score? It, it was really impressive. Um, interested to see, uh, you know, the rest of his game and how that shakes out. Uh, Portland at seven, not a team that I was expecting to, to have a top 10 pick, let alone top seven. Um, so so where do you, where do we think the Blazers could go? Yeah. And I swear I to God so. if you say Jalen Duran. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but totally could use him in the nerd control. But uh, no, I'm gonna go I'm gonna change it up. Keegan Murray again. Um God, if they got Shaden Sharp after seeing what they did with Anfer- with Anthony Simons, I would be pretty confident in what they could do with Shaden Sharp. A little bit different because coaching staff has changed, but uh, really hasn't actually because the breakout happened this year. I, you know, Portland's a weird one because I think their first priority is who has the highest four that can help us win right now. That is Portland's top priority. They want to do everything they can to keep Dame happy. What fits Maybe under Keegan that, Murray. Keegan Murray really is probably the pick, but I'm going to throw a new name. It's Benedict Matherin. They need, they need shooting. They need defense. He provides both of those, and he has a lot of growth and upside. So in case Dame does leave, you have an option with a high floor player too I, I just i'm really big on benedict mather he's my number five player i i think that's a steal for portland i like mather a lot as well uh i have aj griffin just ahead of him but um you know i do think if you need that maybe higher level defense i think uh Matherin's a little more toolsy in that area just not knowing how you know if griffin's gonna get that that pop back that he had from high school um but, uh, but I like that. I, I want to pause where we're at for just a second because I don't know if you saw the text. Richard and I are in this uh, group text with, um, with a couple of friends, my brother included. And uh, my brother goes, I'm ready for the Magic to draft the top center, Chet, only for him to inevitably end up a Laker later in his career, such as the way of the Magic. I'm like, can't can't Richard at least enjoy the night before we start throwing out these ridiculous hypothetical scenarios of 
uh, of magic superstars leaving for the Lakers. I mean, come on, guys. No, he's not wrong. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Richard. Uh, no, okay. The good thing is, that, can I just say something actually about the Magic? Can we just go back there before we keep going? The yeah, Magic go have a ton of trade assets. Like, they don't have the draft capital that Oklahoma City and New Orleans have, but they have the most young players of any rebuilding team. It, they have eight players by my count right now that are under 25 that are that on any other team would be considered high-level core members. I'm not going to list all of them, but you can probably figure it out. Surprise, surprise. Um, Terrence Ross does not fall under this list. Robin Lopez does not fall under this list. But here's my thing. Yes, we can, the Magic can trade somebody to the Lakers if they so wish. So my thing is, is that they have a ton of assets to be able to move. I think they're actually really set up well with number one. That's why I'm just so high on this pick. They're not going well, to the Lakers just yet. What's Jonathan Isaac's story at the moment? Where do you want me to start? <laughs> Uh, All right, let's start. Let's start. The 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 ten second like cool. Yeah, is he so playing next year? He's played one. Ga- he has not played in an NBA arena since January first, twenty twenty, when he hyperextended his knee against the Washington Wizards. He played in the bubble, tore his ACL, had a reconstructive surgery or something like that, had a, a follow up surgery in April on his knee, undisclosed timetable. Then off the fe- off the court, uh, he's been on a lot of news networks. Oh, okay. I, I hadn't been paying attention. So, uh, moving on, <laughs> we got uh, <laughs> Richard's also laughing. He just muted his mic. I can see it, but I don't want people to think I'm just laughing to myself here. Uh, okay, so number eight, uh, the Pelicans, and one of the otter uh, protection scenarios. I was looking at it today. I was like, wait, the, the Lakers protected this 11 to 30 and they end up picking number eight. So that pick goes to the Pelicans. So the Lakers lose out on a top 10 selection. Um, Pelicans looking really, really good. Um, we'll be getting Zion back. Who's, who's kind of realizing, Oh snap, this team's pretty good. I can, I could probably stick around and win with them. Um, where would you like to see them uh, go to, to add some more, to that team dude i have no idea what to do with the pelicans they you could go anywhere really truth example of hey just take the best player we'll, we'll figure it out <clears throat> because they're set at forwards they have brandon ingram and even if you count him as a wing you're the same scenario you're set at forwards because zion and ingram i mean even at center they have Jonas valanciunas who did a really good job this year at guards they now have cj mccollum Devonte graham is there he's okay you're still investing in kyra lewis who knows what the team looks like at opening day, but I imagine it's pretty different. So you're, you've got to be thinking in this way of like, hey, let's <coughs> go to a, a shakeup. We're assuming a shakeup here. So just draft the best player available. And in that scenario, I would say there's two guys that, that stand out above all for me. One of them's a little bit of a reach, so hear me out. But the first one is not Johnny Davis. I think he's, uh, he's a pretty good guy. He's a good defender, good scorer. I can pass a little bit. One man show didn't get to showcase everything he had at Wisconsin. And this is a little bit more of a reach, but I think it might become more normalized come draft night. Malachi Branham, the dude killed it in conference play from January to March. You look at his stats. He averaged six points a game in non-conference play. And after that, he skyrocketed. Like the flip switched and he can defend. I think he's going to be able to be a good defender. He can score. He can get to the basket. 
he can facilitate. He's a, he's also a freshman. So like the upside is there and I think he's got a decent floor for a freshman. Yeah. Brandon's not a guy I know much about. Um, but, but Johnny Davis, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons that he would fit really well in New Orleans based on what we were just talking about, this is a guy who could fill a multitude of roles, right? He can help, you know, with, with scoring, he can help, uh, you know, as a defender, he can, you know, distribute a little bit, like he can kind of wear different hats and, and kind of be this versatile piece um, for the Pelicans. So I'm, I'm glad you, you brought him up. Um, okay. Next up, we got San Antonio at nine. Uh, what are we thinking there? They are a tough, tough read. They don't need guards. It's about the third team in the top 10. We've said does not need a guard. Yeah. They could go center. Um, but ultimately I think they're going to go with a shooter or a, a forward or something like that. And there is, Look, if they go with a shooter, at this point, I don't think it's a stretch to say this. Oche Baji could really be a pick here. I, I mean, I think he's creeping up in that territory. If they don't go with the shooter, here's my hottest take. I personally would not do this, just kind of going off of what it seems like that Intel is saying, that this guy is very high on teams' boards. I can see this guy developing well under Greg Popovich, and that's Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. I, I think he's really in the mix here. Or Dyson Daniels even from the G League. They're, they're almost similar players. Yeah, we know the Spurs aren't afraid to to veer from the consensus. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what direction they go. Uh, Wizards at ten. Whoops. Yeah, that is probably actually the hardest pick in the draft. Them and actually the Knicks right off after the Wizards probably needed to move up. They are, I think, they're a prime candidate to trade with the Kings. They got to do something. Ten is not a good spot right now. I mean, think about the names we've listed off. Unless someone like Sohan, Dyson Daniels, or somehow Jaden Hardy climbs up before them, or Jean Montero, something like that, guys who are not in that top ten, even Branham kind of fits that bill. They're looking at a very slim pickings. But somebody I haven't said, I know you brought him up earlier, this would actually be a great fit if the injuries really hurt him is A.J. Griffin. I mean, you look at a guy who's shooting 50% from three almost the entire season, I think until the last month. He's really strong. I think his defense has a lot of room to grow because of the tools. You're just kind of looking at the fact that, you know, he was injured. I don't think he put 100% effort in defense. He, he wanted to avoid those injuries kind of thing. And to me, that's, that's a good upside play. And also you get the floor play of being able to um, play next to Bradley Beal. Yeah, uh, I think that would be a good fit um, for for him and, and for the Wizards. Um all right, 11, we have the Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks are uh, even tougher. They need a guard. They need a big. They need a three and D forward. Two of those things are not good things to be picking at number 11. They're also a team that could be picking, or excuse me, being a trade candidate for the Kings. I don't know necessarily what they have to offer, though. That's the tough part. Maybe they dump quickly, but like, they're move on from quickly. I'd say dump like he's like a negative asset, but... The Knicks are tough. Um, I think they're ultimately – I don't know who they take here. I'm looking at the board. I think they may surprise people. They may go with pure upside, and they might go with, like, Usman Jiang. I mean, he's somebody who – he's climbing up boards. He had a killer end of the season. He averaged four points a game on 25% shooting to start the year, the first 11 games. And after that, it was like uh, – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that one was correct. I think it was 13 points per game on 48%. 
to close the year. I know that percentage is right. So he's a tail of two halves of the season. And I think he's going to kill in workouts because his shot is pretty nice. He's a stalwart on defense and can pass a little bit as well. Okay, OKC gets the Clippers pick. We've, we talked about them a bit. So assuming they, they address the uh, forward or big man role with either Chet or Jabari or, or Paolo, uh, what direction do you think they could go uh, with their second uh, lottery pick? Yeah, who, who knows? Um, this one's really tough. I could see them being a team that reaches like Mark Williams, but it's probably a little bit early on that front. I could also Do you think they would go Mark game. Williams if they if they took Chet, or probably, probably more if they took a Jabari? Yeah, yeah, if they took Jabari. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they need front court depth as much as I love Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I mean, I love Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but... Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they're going to go with someone like Dyson Daniels is a fit. Blake, Wes- Blake Wesley is a fit. Um, you could even say, man, they have international ties. Nikola Jovic is a fit. There's just a lot of different ways they can go. Um, I think they're going best player available. And also, how sick would it have been, though, if LA's two teams would have been in the top of the lottery? I almost wanted Oklahoma City and the Pelicans to be the top two, but not even the original Oklahoma City pick. If it was just LA, LA was number one and number two, and it conveyed to other teams. I think that would have been That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, that would have been pretty great. Um, okay, Charlotte. Um, is this the year that, that they find their center? Or by drafting, or do they package thirteen and what is it, fifteen? Yeah, and and try and go get Gobert or someone like that. That'd be interesting. Uh, I thought you were going to say like move up to like Wizards pick or something like that because that actually seems beneficial for both sides. You know, you look at what the the Hornets live and die by the three. If AJ Griffin's there, they should absolutely do it. Um, if the Wizards are not impressed with his physical. But the, the Hornets, yeah, they should be making a trade. Uh, the hard part is, is do they take a center when they already have Kai Jones, who they seem to, who knows? You don't even know what to make of last year's picks because we, don't, we didn't get to see them. So I don't know. I think in theory, everybody expects them to take, they're the team that's going to take Mark Williams' lottery. I could see it. But here's my take against that. It's the gap between Mark Williams, Christian Coloco, and Ismael Kamigate very big. Personally, I lean with no. And if you're taking him in the lottery, Kamigate in the late 20s and Coloco early 30s, you've made a mistake. So I, I hope they just go best player available or trade this pick. Yeah, I think Coloco's a, uh, a borderline first-round guy. Uh, he's, he's probably going to be one of my highest second-round grades. Um, but anyway... Uh, and then uh, rounding out the lottery, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland for me, just get this team shooters, please. Like, I love the idea of these guys who can play multiple positions and everything, but at some point they're going to need these sharp shooters on the wings to come off of screens from passes for from Darius Garland. Get me someone like Oche Baji if he's there. Nikola Jovic would be a guy who can also create his own shot. Hell, even, I mean... Branham, you talked about a bit earlier. Who? Malachi Branham, you talked yeah, about Yeah, Branham, a bit if he's there, stay in, stay in state. Uh, I know they want to replace the Rubio spot. If he doesn't come back, Blake Wesley could very well be that person. Um, if you're looking for, I don't want to say a bold take, but like John Montero from the Overtime Elite in Dominican Republic, he's somebody who could be that. He, he's a 
he, he's a almost a I don't want to say he's Darius Garland, but he's got a lot of similarities. Okay. Um, any other kind of takeaways from from the way this lottery shook out? This is probably the calmest lottery we've seen under the new format with the four teams in it. I think it's been what three years now. Um, yeah, only one to... team jumped up from outside of the top four. Yeah, it was definitely the calmest, which means next year, if you're the 14 seed, you're good money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that was really interesting. And also, I was interested to see this. The the Rockets, back-to-back years, one of the few teams ever to have the worst record in the NBA, and they didn't get the first pick either year. They got the third in both. Is that a failure or not? Tough to say. We'll be one, though, for several, for, maybe for at least a decade. Um, just kind of interesting to think about a lot of the trends, how it came out. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I'd rather them not have Kate Cunningham and you know their choice of Chet, Jabari, Paolo. Uh, you know they'll have to settle for the you know whoever's left. Um, but you know, as a Mavs fan, uh, definitely uh, was relieved to see that uh, they at least won't get their choice. Yeah, I I'm very happy that. And it's good and bad. I actually heard a compelling argument that you don't want to be in the driver's seat in this draft because there's no consensus guy. You kind of almost just want the guy who falls to you. You don't have to do the hard work. You, you don't really get ridiculed for, like, if you're if you're the third pick and Chet and Jabari have gone, you kind of have to take power. Like, maybe Ivy that could come back to bite you, but, like, the odds of it happening are pretty slim, I think, knowing how this actually plays out. And people definitely do not use hindsight bias in accusing of others what's right and wrong. So, you know, you definitely wouldn't have to worry about that. Uh, so, I don't know. I think uh, I think number three, there is a compelling argument for it. I still think you want to be in the driver's seat of taking the best player. You want to prove that you can do it. Yeah. I mean, look, as a, as a fan, if you wanted to pull the, oh, well, we – you know, we got who was left and then, you know, it just didn't work out that way as opposed to, Oh, we picked the wrong guy. Right. Like, like you look at everyone kind of clowning Phoenix right now being like, man, I'm at like, they could have had Luca. Right. They ended up with Deandre Ayton instead, like Deandre Ayton's not an absolute stud and like, you know, a top five center in the game, but you know, it's, you know, could have Luca. Right. So, but I mean, in the here and now, if you're a GM, you want the guy that you think is better. Like, there's a reason you order the players a certain way, right? It's because that's the the order that you would take them. Um, and sometimes, like that, that really matters between one and three, even one and two. Um, you know, for for us and for the media. It's been, you know, pretty, um, you know, this is, this is, there's no consensus. It's, you know, whatever. But when we do this, we're looking at the players like as a whole, right? Like we, we're not choosing players based on need or scheme or fit. We're just looking at the players and saying, okay, um, if I'm starting a team from scratch, right, where who, who am I taking, right, and why? But 
you know, the the magic might be saying we we need this rim protector, right? Chet is that much more valuable and us jumping to one means we get him and that's huge. Or they say we really need this sharpshooter and Jabari Smith has has arguably the best shot in the draft and we need this guy. We needed number one to make sure we got him. There's always a chance you get that guy or two or three, sure. But I think that's the difference between the way we look at it and the way NBA teams look at it. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty spot on. Uh, I think you hit it on the head where everybody has their weight. There's a reason teams rank their players the way they do. And I, I think that's a, I think that's pretty spot on. Well, thank you. Uh, what you think? Anything else? You, you good? Uh, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm stunned, dude. I, I can't believe the magic got it. I, I think they're going to take Chet. I think they're set up well. And one other last point with the magic, you know, everybody talks about, well, well, they have this guy, they have this guy, what are they going to do? And why do they have this? You know, like the number one pick doesn't help them, whatever. And it's like, okay, let's slow, slow the roll down. Let's talk about it. Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith or Powell Boncaro, doesn't matter. All three of these actually address the first point. You talk about what do you do with Jonathan Isaac? What do you do with Wendell Carter? What do you do with Mo Bamba? Well, first of all, let me address it. Mo Bamba's gone. That dude ain't coming back. Especially right now, zero chance. Um, second, you look at Jonathan Isaac, right? Wendell Carter will stay. Jonathan Isaac is injured. I gave that 45-second rundown. Uh, disregarding the off-the-court stuff that has been a label on him, he can't stay healthy. Great defender when healthy. Offense hasn't evolved enough to really warrant having him be a cornerstone anymore. And you wanted to see that jump in 21, but he was hurt all 2021. And he's been hurt for, we're about to be at the six month mark of 2022. And he still hasn't played. Obviously it's unfair, but like the, in the 2022 portion, he didn't play. It's been over, it's been, we're approaching, I think we're at 20 months since he last played an NBA game. That's not okay. You can't have that anymore as your core. So when you draft someone like Chet Holmgren, that makes those kind of players expendable. And also Chumo Kiki, who, hasn't developed as a shooter like the Magic want him to. So, saying all this, you can package these guys. You can put Terrence Ross in a deal. I think he's played his last game as a Magic. You can put Jumo Kiki in a deal. You can put Jonathan Isaac in a deal. You actually have a decent return. You have a sharpshooter who is valuable to a contender. You have a young player in Jumo Kiki who, by the way, he was drafted three years ago, and while that rookie class is on their ending, ending that rookie contract, he still has two more years because he didn't sign because that torn ACL. So you have a lot of cap room with him uh, or excuse me just flexibility with him and jonathan isaac you know what he is probably the very best buy low right now in the nba you have a guy who went healthy is a top five player uh at defense on defense uh I <laughs> that. he's a top five defender when healthy and all that rant just to say you know packaging these guys actually works better because not only are you getting one better piece than these five okay young pieces but it clears a lot of the way for the other remaining pieces so I think there's a lot of room for growth and trades now, and they've got all the power in their hands. They they're in year they just finished year one of a true rebuild, and they already have eight young players that are core pieces. Ben. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, an exciting five weeks building up. Uh, we'll um, you know I'm excited to to get back into the you know scouting these these prospects. Like I said, I'm ten players in, and I'm. I'm working to to get those taken care of. Um, last day of school is uh, 
uh, next Thursday. So after that, I'm, I'm really diving in. I can do a little bit now, but I'll, I'll be really diving in for a few weeks. Um, unfortunately, the, um, the week before the draft, well, maybe not unfortunately, I'll be on my honeymoon. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be missing episodes then. But um, I think uh, we'll be back with uh, maybe a couple episodes a week, um, you know, especially when, when school's out for me. Um, as long as, as, as you're good with that, Mr. Mavs draft. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I didn't give you the proper warm introduction for our two year hiatus, but for those who don't know and have made it this far, Jared is a, um, is a basketball coach. He's a honestly multi-sport athlete coach. Uh, he's <laughs> the phrasing wasn't the best, but Jared is a, he coaches basketball. He knows his stuff. He knows the fundamentals of the game at the very least at a high level. So he, his ability to pick up prospects, and evaluate is really strong because of that. His learning curve is super quick on this class. Um, so he knows his stuff. And if you haven't heard our 2020 stuff, I think that was probably some of the best in-depth scouting reports out, that we've done. And, and in my time of doing this stuff, it's some of the best just because like I had Jared who had a ton of great points and he's great at finding like the micro stuff where it's like, all right, but how about this element of his ball handling or his passing, things like that. So Jared's a really good uh, person to, to, at the least, even if he's not like up to date with all prospects, like I mean, he has Gabriel Prashida top ten, and I'm not <laughs> into that. You know, he he knows how to point stuff out about players just in such a quick way. So I'm excited for what we have in store this year, and with this locked on NBA big board, ton of NBA draft content coming to you. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a really fun year, a really really fun summer. Um, we'll get those episodes out to you guys. We'll have mailbags again, in depth scouting reports. Um, you can obviously hear Richard on uh, the Locked On Big Board podcast. Um, are you doing any others consistently or just kind of wherever yeah, you get I'm asked? On, I'm on everybody's podcast right now through Locked On. Uh, it's, it's the Locked On tour right now is what I'm calling it. There you go. So you can find Richard pretty much anywhere at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Um Man, it's a great time for you right now. Number one pick, the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals. You're living the dream, dude. This is and awesome. I get to go to your wedding next month, like, dude. And you get to come dream. to my wedding. Uh, man, this is great. Yeah, we're all living the dream. Uh, awesome. So, uh, with all of that, um, thank y'all for listening. We're we're super excited to be back, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.